Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I am your host, Brian, and before we get into this week's episode, the answer to last week's music trivia question was, of course, John Lennon. He was the very first artist to be featured as the cover story for Rolling Stone. Now, this week's music trivia question. Who holds the record for being featured on the cover of Rolling Stone the most? And we've got another five-star review. Five stars, great content, and easy to follow along. Good chemistry. This was left by BSC on iTunes. And don't forget, if you leave a five-star review, it will be read out on the show. Now, the reason you've all came here. This week, I'm joined by Kayleen and Lauren from the band Gold Tread. They're a great band with some really interesting music. So, without further ado... Let's get on with the show. I don't see a likeness, but I feel your legacy. Without you, what more could I be? Hand on my mouth so I can't speak. Hide away, you move just like a hurricane. The house we made. Why can't you 
Hey guys, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having us. I'm delighted to have you. How are you doing this evening? Pretty good, pretty good. Can't can't complain, just hanging around, enjoying some wonderful Ohio weather. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. A bit like myself, uh, I was telling you before we pressed record, we're having awful storms over here at the moment, so it's uh, it's been a fun day. Yeah, it sounds sounds like craziness kind of everywhere. Yeah. It's just that time of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roll on the summer, huh? Yep. So uh, we opened a show with your song, Legacy. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the song Legacy, uh, we wrote it um, kind of around my experience kind of growing up in a broken home um, and what it's like to feel like you have a legacy on you or, or something that, that you still have to work through remnants of, of your past, basically that you have to reconcile with. Uh, so we kind of took that story and tried to make something, you know, beautiful out of it and make something that people can connect to. And, yeah, and um, like the word legacy normally has a positive connotation to it. So just thought it was really interesting is, you know, from a lyrical perspective to write about it in that negative light like sometimes legacies that people leave you aren't always positive yeah that's that's a an interesting take on it all right you're totally right when you hear the word legacy you automatically think oh it's a good thing you know Mm -hmm. but i like how you flipped it on its head and gave it new meaning almost yeah yeah and i think that helped me to kind of you know reconcile my you know family of origin because it it it's kind of a secondary gain because i'm resilient for it you know like it it's not good that it happened but i'm i'm alive and i'm here despite it so it yeah. it was a good thing i think for me to to work through so i love how music has the power to do that you know can uh, get yeah. you through some pretty horrible times so um i'd like to hear a bit about your musical history. Do you remember what your very first musical memory was? Oh man, I've, I've been playing music forever. Um, so my, my uncle is a classical piano player and performer. Um, so I took lessons from him. So it was always, you know, part of my house and, and part of, uh, just growing up, I guess. And, um, I think, the first time I ever like really felt connected was um, we got to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra uh, when I was like 10 or 11 or so. And I just remember being in the audience and being like, this is so cool. And like having like my first like headbang moment. And I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is great. So 
Yeah, no, I I think my story is pretty pretty similar too. Like the earliest things that I can remember are uh, my mom forcing myself and my older sister to sit through piano lessons. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either of us particularly enjoyed it. I mean, when you're a kid sitting there like, okay, play this scale. You're like, <laughs> no. <laughs> the piano is not interesting to kids. I'm glad I did it. But... I wish that I had stuck with it. Yeah. But, you know, like that's probably my earliest memory. And then I think kind of same thing of like, what really got me hooked was going to um, like a Coldplay concert for the first time and seeing, you know, the light show behind them and just the energy that live music can have. I think that was first time I was like, whoa, I would, I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny how, as you mentioned, when you're a kid, it's, uh, I think people approach music wrong and trying to get kids into music, you know, it really takes the fun out of it. I remember being in school over here and we were forced to do music classes, but we were uh, told we had to pick one of two instruments. It was either a tin whistle or a recorder. Not the most fun. Oh, it's got the worst sound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then even at that, like I'm sure in other schools, if it was guitar, piano, you think to yourself, oh, cool. I'm going to be like the people I see on TV or hear on the radio. But they pick the most boring songs to make you learn, you know. And then who like what what kid is going to want to stick with that if they're learning songs that they don't care about and that they don't relate to or connect to at all? It's like, let me learn something that I like. Yeah. 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 As you mentioned, then uh, Coldplay made you realize you wanted to be a musician what uh what age were you around then when you did realize oh I want to be like them um I I was probably like nine or ten I was pretty young my dad honestly kind of dragged us along because he loved them and we would listen to them on road trips all the time like in the uh like x and y and Russia blood to the head era so he was the one that kind of dragged us dragged us along but it's awesome yeah, yeah. I haven't had the chance to see them myself, but uh, they'd be pretty epic. They're one of them bands that I think everybody has at least one or two of their songs that they love, you know, yeah. they've been around that long. So um, what was the next step then after realizing you wanted to be a musician? What were the steps you took? Yeah, I think for the longest time, um, like in middle school and high school, I would... I would spend a lot of time writing like solo stuff and my oddly enough, what sparked a lot is my parents bought like just a Mac computer and I found GarageBand and I was like, this is the greatest thing. I can take like stacks of instruments and actually form a song from it. They all sound horrible, but like (laughs) at the time it was just such creative freedom to be able to actually make vocal layers or, you know, stack two guitars and and do all this stuff. So that's where I spent a lot of time after that until I got to a point probably in like college where I was like, yeah, I actually want to play a live show because I was so shy growing up. I did not, I did not want to be on a stage. It was way too intimidating. So I think it took me a couple of years to get over that. And then I guess the rest is history after yeah. that. <laughs> Um, let's see. I think as soon as I got a guitar and felt like I was learning music that I wanted to play and wanted to sing along with, that's kind of what started my journey. But, um, I think 
kind of growing up with like emo culture being like, like as popular as it was when I was in middle school and high school, I think it, it kind of started as a joke that I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to like write emo poetry. I'm going to like write about my feelings. And then it like, I turned out to be pretty decent at it and I really liked it. And I was like, oh, this isn't a joke anymore. Like I really <laughs> like this. And, um, that's how the cults get you. I, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just started writing a little bit more and then started pairing it with guitar. And, uh, that's kind of the way it stayed. And until you drag me out of retirement. So, yeah. And you were, uh, going through your teen years then was this, uh, was there a scene? Was there lots of other people in school that had bands were playing instruments? I wish, but no, we actually went to a really conservative private high school. Um, so I was the only emo kid in my grade, maybe like one of five of them in the school. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I'm so different. I'm like, no one understands me. So I, if anything, so I, so I know. But I, I mean, it kind of forced me to like, like, this is something I love. So I'm going to pursue it, even though it felt like a weird like going against the grain kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I wish I would have grown up with like a ton of like bands and, and scene kids and everything. Cause once I finally found that as an adult, I was like, Oh, my people, like, this (laughs) is nice. (laughs) You're probably the, one of the few people I've spoke to now that have said they didn't have that when they were growing up, you know, nearly every second person there's, I remember when I was in school, you know, nearly everybody had a guitar or a drum kit and wanted yeah, to be really? a rock star. Jealous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was probably the only good thing about it. <laughs> so um, what steps did you take then from that to playing your first gig? I, my first band was with my cousin, who's a really, really talented singer. And uh, she's like a year or two older than me. And um, she basically one day sat down and was like, okay, you can play guitar, right? I was like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, let's like, let's make a band. Let's like play a show. But it was mostly just like church group stuff. Like it, it didn't really feel too official. Like a rock show. <laughs> yeah, it was not a rock show. Um, but uh, after that little project kind of fell through, um, Kayleen hit me up a couple of years later and she was like, Hey, like we can play shows. Like I have a connection, like I have a bassist, I have all sorts of like stuff. And I was like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but she kind of beat the door down a little bit and, uh, the rest is history. So. Yeah. Ah. And, uh, I feel like we've skipped a bit with you, Kayleen, um, from your, just before calling her and getting her into playing shows what happened with you yeah I was I mean like I said I I was really introverted growing up so the thought of playing a show really just terrified me like until I was old like older um so I really just spent like so much time working on solo stuff where I could kind of like hide behind computers and you know hide in like a little office and and work on stuff so I did Um, I did like a solo EP with, um, a producer up in Cleveland and, um, just kind of released that just on my own and then realized that I didn't really want to be a solo act. So just pulled in like people that I knew played instruments, which (laughs) as we mentioned was not a lot. (laughs) So, (laughs) so hit her up and was like, yep, let's do it. I need a guitar player. 
Yeah. Did your sound come naturally? It's a very distinctive sound. It's it's hard to almost put it into one genre. You know, it's like dark pop, but it's like rock. It's I I've been listening to it now for the last couple of weeks, and I've tried my hardest to put it into a <laughs> genre, and I just can't. You know. So how did you actually find your sound? Man, I keep hoping that someone else will be like, this is what your genre is. This like, is a problem yeah. for us, yeah. too. We're like, uh, what is it exactly? I mean, honestly, I think that's kind of what I enjoy about it a lot is we can be a little bit more genre fluid as long as it's something that we enjoy writing and playing. And it gives us freedom for every song to kind of take its own shape and its own voice. Like we're not trying to fit in a box. We kind of let the song lead us to yeah. where it goes. Um, but we we started our first band, uh, we called it Keys and Corridors, and we didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't have a genre in mind. We were just like, we were just so excited to have a group of friends in the same room playing music together. So, so yeah, a lot of that music ended up being, you know, really power chord heavy and just like, and just like, get up on a stage and walk out. So after a couple of years of doing that and learning a lot and us, you know, maturing as people and as musicians, we kind of had a, a group of songs that we knew were a little bit different and kind of reflected that maturity. So that's when we decided, okay, this is worth an overhaul. This is worth, uh, you know, actually rebranding and becoming, you know, this new mm-hmm. band gold threads. So, um, so it's, it's good to hear that it's still a little bit confusing yeah. <laughs> genre fluid. Like that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 It definitely makes you unique, you know, it's definitely mm-hmm. a good thing. So, um, you guys formed in 2019. I take it that was before the pandemic, was it? Yep. It was right before the pandemic. You know, like the months leading up to it, we were working on the album and like the music videos and all this stuff. We had a lot of behind the scenes work. Yeah. And then the world <laughs> shut down entirely. And we were like, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And we, we just got to a point after a while during the pandemic, we were like, there's no point in like sitting on all this material that we've had done, you know, for a couple months now. So we just were like, whatever, let's just release it. Like we can't tour or anything right now, but yeah, clearly this is, this is sticking sticking around. around. Yeah. (laughs) That's, it really was a nightmare for, for the music industry globally, Ah. you know, Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine what it felt like just to be starting the band and then everything closes. So I, I take it must've been, more so an online presence you tried to build than a face-to-face presence. How did you approach that? Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time kind of working on teaser images and teaser videos and things that would kind of build hype online and, you know, the money that we normally would have taken to, you know, try to put together a show and and do that. Instead, we were taking that money and putting it into ads and trying to just like reach people online. Because I mean, during the pandemic, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but like all I did was like pretty much watch TV and <laughs> like scroll Facebook. And yeah. stuff. So it was like just channeling the money into a different avenue to try to just get to people because you're not reaching fans at shows anymore. Well, and I think we spent a lot of time just working on ourselves as people. Like, I think yeah. it, it was a, a really difficult time for everyone, no matter how you slice it. So uh, kind of getting through our own battles was a, a big, important part of that. And I think things are, you know, looking up. So that's, yeah, that's good. And it's, it's good to feel like, like shows are finally starting to come back and things are, you know, starting to feel safer. So that 
that's good because I I really needed live music so yeah yeah that's that's for sure has there been any shows where you guys are concerts allowed to happen yet yeah there have been a there have been a couple I think like what we've kind of found with everything coming back is there used to be like a lot of middle ground you know where if you're not top of the line touring arenas kind of stuff Mm. there was like a good middle ground where as a local band you could get a support slot on kind of like a medium range yeah like a regional act yeah like a regional and we'd be able to you know meet them and and open up a show for them um but that that kind of changed i think yeah and now like you kind of come back from the pandemic and it's it's divided even more where i don't think a lot of those regional acts are really going through the bother of putting like a local band on it or putting like support acts on it they're just like well we're like we can tour through anyway like we don't really need a local so i think it it kind of has forced a lot of like smaller bands kind of out of the scene a little bit at least that's kind of what we've noticed so shows are coming back but it's it's kind of just like refinding the footing of where you fit in as a band mm-hmm. and trying to get back into shows. So it's kind of weird. Well, yeah. Plus like our, our government is set up where it's basically up to the States to be like, okay, like, do you want a mask mandate? Do you want to, you know, restrict stuff? And just because things open doesn't mean that it's, it's so safe yeah. or mm. that things are consistent across state lines. Exactly. So it's, we're still kind of in this weird trying to figure it out, trying to yeah. find our footing a little bit. Um, but it, it's just nice that it's coming back in any capacity and For in sure. a way that feels safe too. you know, like yeah. I, I don't want to compromise anybody's health, but I, I do miss music. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Over here, just before Christmas, there was loads of concerts announced for this year. And then two weeks later, some big name bands start canceling their shows. But a lot have uh, kept the dates so far. But yesterday it was announced that you will not in, I think, the end of February anyway, some date, you will no longer need masks. So for me, that kind of makes going to a concert a bit kind of cagey, you know, because you know how wild the concert can get. If nobody is wearing masks, I'd kind of, I don't know whether or not I'd be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like just everyone kind of up against each other, like shoulder to shoulder. It is surreal being back in a crowd. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is super <laughs> weird. Like, it's like extra panic because you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's breathing on me. Like before the pandemic, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. And that's what I think like your social battery drains so much faster because I'm just yeah. not used to being around people anymore. So I'm yeah. like, all right, too many people step in my foot. I got to go. Like it's, it's, it's different for sure. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. How do you guys find the your social reach online, so to speak? Because uh, I know a lot of people say, you know, you put up something and if you have like a thousand fans, you'll be lucky if 50 of those guys see your ad. How do you yeah. guys find it? Yeah, I think every band is kind of navigating that and has been since Facebook and Instagram and all that really took over. And there's some bands that are so good at the social aspect of it. And they're, I don't know, it's, it's hard to catch the algorithm. Sometimes it feels like, like just catching a lucky break, like anything else. Yeah. 
Um, but I think our strategy kind of going in has always been like, if our music is authentic and we're authentic and we're trying to genuinely connect with people and we're stoked on our music, then the right people will find us. So, um, Mm -hmm. we just try to like our strategy, I guess, is just to, you know, try to put out the best music that we can and, and, you know, put ads behind that and, and hope that people catch on, I I guess. Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's obviously hard because, you know, even if you spend like five or 10 bucks for like one Facebook ad, it might bring that number from like 50 people to like 300 people. (laughs) So it's, I don't know. It's kind of a a weird world. It's it's a given take. You kind of have to think about what matters and what, what doesn't, I guess. And Mm -hmm. like kind of what's worth the money and, and what's not. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think that like we're great at it. It's kind of, it's a constant battle. And I think some bands are better than other bands. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's a learning curve for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. even with the podcast, I'm still learning and, you know, mm-hmm. I keep missing the mark and then one week I'll get tons of views on an ad and I'll yeah. be like, what did I do that? <laughs> yeah. How do I re- repeat that? You know, exactly. It's a it's a bit of a headache. It, I think it's an un, an unnecessary headache that bands need. You know, there's enough hard work being in a band without having to worry about algorithms and yeah. stuff like that. Yep. You know, so um, you guys released your debut EP in July. How did you go from forming the band, the pandemic hitting, to actually being able to put out an EP then in the middle of the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, luckily everything was done like right before the world shut down. Like we finished the music video for Tiffany Skylight, like on New Year's Eve, like right before everything just totally locked down. So all of the content like from that release was, you know, pretty much done like pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think where we're kind of struggling now is like, okay, we've, we made the decision to release that in the middle of the pandemic. Now we like have new stuff that we're working on and want to record and it's trying to navigate it now where things are still kind of in this half shutdown mode, Mm -hmm. you know, like we record with a producer in Canada, but like the border's been open and then closed and then open and closed. Yeah. It's, it's trying to figure out where we go from here, I guess, because we didn't really have to do a ton in the middle of the mm-hmm. in the middle of the pandemic. Most of it was done. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Tiffany Skylight. The video for that. Oh my God. Seriously, guys. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's definitely it has to win awards, you know? <laughs> it's oh my God. Any of the listeners then need to look it up straight away. Pause this interview, go look it up and come back. <laughs> You know, can you explain a bit, a bit about it? Uh, yeah. So we, we wrote the song kind of about a dark subject matter. And I, I try to tell the story as fast as I can, because it, it is kind of there, long and there dark. There are just so many like little snippets of the story that are so interesting. I know. I'm like, I'm like, trying to like, I, I think I've got it down to like a 30 second <laughs> explanation, but oh basically we wrote the song about a man who killed his family and he instead of basically he lost his job and instead of telling his rich family that the money was gone, he decided to kill everybody instead, which is crazy and dark and nuts. But he, 
he ended up laying all their bodies down in this ballroom in their house. They didn't even use. And then he skipped town and nobody found him for like 25 years, something ridiculous. But the thing about that ballroom was that the Tiffany skylight above it was worth more than the debt that he had accrued. Um, so had he literally looked up and kind of thought through his options, like none of the tragedy had to happen. Um, so we listened to that story on a true crime podcast and we looked at each other. We were like, so we have to write a song about that. Right. So, and once we had that idea, we were like, okay, well the, the visual, like we have to match how awesome and crazy that twist of the story is. So we yeah. went to Chicago where the world's largest Tiffany skylight is and filmed underneath it. And it was, oh, it was so beautiful. Was crazy. As soon as we found out that the world's largest hand-painted Tiffany skylight was in Chicago and then also found out that they were going to let us film there. We were like, get in the van. Let's go. <laughs> we got to go. We're, we're doing it. It was just, it was too perfect. It was honestly such a surreal experience. Like you can walk into that building and if you stand directly under it and like look up it fills your entire field of vision it's so surreal it's massive and the the dancers we they did a really amazing job of conveying the emotion that we wanted behind it of like a kind of a desperate yeah like that push and pull yeah a, a love song about love that isn't working you know or mm-hmm. like a toxic relationship and i think uh having that as like the the visual underneath the skylight was really amazing i was so proud of how that came out yeah it must have felt that must have been a point in your career so far where you you were like we've made it our things are definitely starting to come together it felt good it felt really good yeah definitely just it fit the vibe of the song and it it made a lot of sense thematically it just it was definitely crazy and it it was the last thing that we did before the world shut down. So we look back on it and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, we definitely so have awesome. <laughs> the rose-colored glasses on that for sure. Yeah. But it was it was great. It was really great. And how was the reception to the EP when it released? I think a lot of people were kind of surprised. You know, like some of our our core fans have been around um for the first project, you know, like and saw and listened to music from Keys and Corridors. So I think people were just kind of like, oh, this is different than than Keys and Corridors stuff. And hopefully in a good way, you know, I mean, my cousin, my cousin had the cutest reaction because she's, you know, she was my first band member. Um, She heard all the synthesizers and everything start on Cry Wolf and she just like started crying. And she was like, (laughs) I'm just so proud of you. You You've matured so much. I was like, okay, thanks. Thanks, Faye. Uh, (laughs) Like... (laughs) But yeah, I think it's it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great record. Honestly, I and I'm not just uh pulling your leg when I say I've been listening to it <laughs> nonstop the last couple of weeks. It's genuinely stuck in my head, you know. Awesome. <laughs> and uh I can't wait for the listeners to start listening to it. They're they're definitely going to love it. I hope so. Awesome. Good. <laughs> so uh what are the future plans for is there next ep on the way yeah we have um lots of nice little home demos (laughs) (laughs) some really crappy demos from our attic yeah (laughs) yeah that we're just kind of waiting for the right time to head back up to the studio and, and put the finishing touches on it so that we can you know actually follow up the album with some more singles and stuff so i think that's kind of the immediate next thing on our on our list 
the music industry as a whole is kind of interesting nowadays, isn't it? Compared to years ago, where you mm-hmm. had to play a lot of gigs and hopefully be discovered. Do you yeah. think it's uh it's better the way it is nowadays? You know, because there, while there is bands like yourselves that are great, you know, there is a lot of people that have access to being able to release music that maybe shouldn't be, if you know what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely a pros and cons thing. Yeah. There's with so many people having the ability to, to make something, it, it almost floods the market a little bit or inundates it. But I think what it, it does ultimately is it forces good bands to be better and it forces, you know, everybody to kind of step up their game a little bit. And I think that's, that's an interesting part for me, at least, because I'll listen to a band and be like, oh, they're super good. Like I have to like I'm competing base, you know, with like I'm competing with the top. Like I can listen to Bring Me the Horizon on my phone or I can listen to us. And it's like, yeah. well, who are you going to choose? You yeah. know, so, yeah, it's definitely I think it has like goods and bads, you know, like I think it's created a lot more avenues for people to be discovered. And I think it gives people a lot more access to recording and gear and all this stuff, you know, like before you couldn't record unless you were already on a label or Mm -hmm. had access to expensive studios and stuff like that. Like you didn't even have a way to get your music out there unless you were playing live. And now, you know, you don't even have to step on a stage to release a song. And I think it's led to a lot more music being generated in different sounds and different genres and stuff. And I think that's really cool. It's like a lot more inspiration to draw from, but yeah, at the same time, it's like so many bands, so many artists, so many songwriters. It's like even more difficult to find that needle in a haystack band that you really like. Yeah. I think what it forces the most out of me is the, like, it's so easy to be jealous of somebody else's like success or they find like, like I don't know if you're able to play like a huge show like that I would only dream about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the biggest takeaway I have is that other bands success isn't my failure and it, it doesn't have to be that cutthroat. Like, like nobody's forcing, like, I don't know, like it, I, I find that I, I find a lot of inner peace with trying to deal with that. So that's a, a great way to look at it. You know, it's a, a really good outlook to have because it can get on top of you at times and kind of yeah. bring you down when you see others doing so well, you know, and it's almost in your face and you automatically judge yourself off them, you know? So yeah. I really like your outlook. Yeah. It it was hard, hard fought for. <laughs> yeah. It was earned. It takes a couple of years to yeah. really get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so besides the, the pandemic, what would, the hardest thing you've had to overcome in your career so far be to get to this point? I think a lot of it has been, you know, the people that you kind of surround yourself with and, and mm-hmm. finding the right, you know, not even just the right band, but the right people around you. And I, I don't know, I, in the past, we've had a lot of people that just have wanted to play music just cause like it's fun and it's something to do, but not, they don't want to make it a career. They don't want to, you know, really push it to the next level or, you know, even vice versa, people who are on the business side of it, who don't really care about your music and just want your money. And I think it's hard to kind of find this line of like, 
just, yeah, just surrounding yourself with the right people in all aspects of what you're doing. Yeah. That's been a really hard, (laughs) it's been a really hard lesson to learn. Yeah. 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 I'd say so. How do you feel about the nowadays you, when you're a musician, you kind of have to be like almost a business person as well. You know, you have to really do most of the business stuff yourself as well as the creative process. That must be kind of hard to balance, is it? I think so. Uh, it's, it's hard wearing all those different kinds of hats and feeling like you're not neglecting something. So mm-hmm. if I feel like I'm on my phone trying to research socials, then I'm not writing a song. Like I can only be pulled so many directions yeah. at once. Um, but yeah, I think we've gotten pretty decent at juggling. And yeah, I think our passion has just always been in the music. So it's definitely, it takes conscious effort to, to go outside of that and be like, okay, we have to like, actually think about it like it's a product mm-hmm. where I'm like I just want to go record stuff or I just want to like make music like I don't like the business yeah. side is totally different world mm. yeah it's uh not exactly the fun part yeah, yeah no <laughs> <laughs> but um so when you know you guys can play live shows again what can people expect when they come to see you I think we're we're doing our best right now to find a way to to tie in uh, a lot of the the storytelling that we love the most. Um, so we've been trying to pepper in lots of interludes into a set and putting visuals to the music and and really trying to create a show rather than just like here's our 25 minute set yeah. that we rehearsed a couple times. You know, yeah. I think um, especially having missed two years of being able to perform it's the fire is under my butt to like make it a performance, you know, yeah. cause I, I didn't realize how much I missed it and how much I live for that. So yeah. that's kind of where our head's been, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, overall in the last eight years you've been together, can you remember the best show you've played? And there've been a lot of good ones. Um, I think like one of my favorites, uh, we had like this random college show in North Dakota, which was like an 18 hour drive or something crazy for us. And we literally drove out there just for that show. And I remember it being like this big kind of logistics nightmare leading up to it, you know, like finding, finding people to play with us and finding like the right band members to bring with us because people were like, I don't want to drive that far for In like fairness, one that's, show that's it a was a big drive. drive yeah yeah so I not blaming people at all and so I think like we kind of had I don't even want to say low expectations but we showed up and I think it was just everyone was like nerves were a little fried and we showed up and there were like a thousand people there and they were all going crazy during it was our awesome. set and it was like oh, what is going on <laughs> It was just wild. Like everyone was just so stoked to be there. And like as performers, like you feed off of that energy. Like if the crowd is into it, like you're going to be into it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you guys prefer larger crowds or smaller crowds? I I just, anytime there are people who are into it, I'm that's great, you know, because we've played packed rooms where everyone's just doing the arm cross <laughs> yeah. like staring at you thing and that's the most disheartening thing in the world is feeling like people are watching their their yeah. watch waiting for you to to leave so 
if it's a room of 15 people, but they're into it, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, like I'd rather have that than a room of a thousand people who, who are, are just bored. crossing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blame you. We'll flip it around. So do you remember the worst gig you've played or the worst experience that a gig you've had? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> <I> sure do. <laughs> Oh man. So we were so excited to play in Scranton, Pennsylvania because of The Office. It's my favorite show ever. So we were like, oh my God, we're going to Scranton. We're going to go see Dunder Mifflin and all this stuff. But it was a show where there was an open bar. And so the crowd was wasted and they didn't understand that we weren't a DJ. So they kept coming up and requesting songs. And we were like, buddy we have a, a prepared like, set like i can't just pull sweet caroline out of yeah, thin like, air like i think oh, we, we had to have gotten like 10 people that came up to us requesting songs and at one point like the same girl had come up a couple times and the last time she came up i just remember her requesting a song and we like we can't play like have you not learned at this point that we don't i literally like even if i wanted to i couldn't like <laughs> no, i, I just believe me i wish that we could have because they were like getting irritated they were we insatiable and so the last time this girl came up she was like can you play this and I was like I'm really sorry like I can't she just goes should have known better than like I shouldn't have asked I should have known and just like rolled her eyes and walked away and I was like okay <laughs> I mean, so it was not I wouldn't say it was my favorite experience we got paid so jokes on them but <laughs> it they was just, they just clearly wanted a DJ so like yeah. we could have we could have played like the best set that we've mm. ever played in our entire lives and it just wouldn't have been what they wanted. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's like one of those things, like there's nothing you can do. <laughs> like get up there and keep playing. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. Oh, man. <laughs> <It was> so <laughs> that sounds like quite the experience, but how <laughs> did they not realize it wasn't a DJ? <laughs> I don't oh, know. It was uh... <laughs> unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> But at least it was a show, you know? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to move on to the next round of questions. I usually ask everybody these, so you can't get off the podcast until you answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. If you could release a song and have it sell 500,000 copies or influence 500,000 people, which one would you pick? I think influence yep. people. You know, I think like we're very drawn to the idea of like, just because it's so close and personal to us that like music genuinely is like a way to connect with people. So I think that's kind of like the ultimate goal as a songwriter is to have someone connect with your music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a proper musician's answer. (laughs) After all, you know, the money won't last forever. At least a song is timeless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next one, if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, goodness. Anybody. 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 What do you got? It'd be really cool to see Freddie Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was just such an icon. That would have been pretty cool. I don't know. I, I think that would be my, my top. That's a good answer. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, there are like so many people that even like current bands that I just want to see live. Right. You know, like I had tickets to go see nothing but thieves and then they canceled like their whole North American tour. And I'm like, Oh, dang it. <laughs> so, Wait, did they seriously cancel that? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> I was still planning on going. I know. Sorry. Sorry to be the one to break it to you. That's uh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yep. Did they reschedule or just full out cancel? Um, they I think they said that they got, they're going to reschedule, but they haven't yet. Uh, I mean, I get it. You know, yeah. things are still super yeah, up, there, especially crazy. internationally. I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one. It's kind of like the last question. On it's more personal. If you could spend twenty four hours in a room with any performer from history, who would it be? Any performer in history. I feel like is I feel like I'm gonna catch you off guard with this answer, but I feel like it would actually be cool to like spend 24 hours with Billie Eilish just because I I would like I feel like her social commentary on the music industry and that's a good answer. How she went from zero to a hundred like so quick, especially as a female artist. Like Mm -hmm. I know she like she had a hard time dealing with all that. I feel like the conversations that you would have would just be so fascinating. Yeah. That's a good answer. It is. It is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're on it. I know. I'm like, I didn't give you enough time to think. Well, for some reason, the only thing I can think of is Shakespeare. And I'm like, that's not helpful. But he was a performer, right? Yeah. Exactly. That could work. I've had Mozart like mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be kind of hard to understand, though, you know, and the old ye English way of speaking that's true. that is true <laughs> yeah you'd spend most of your 24 hours like translating well i, I have a tankard of meat and it would be fine right. <laughs> here's one off the wall so what would you hope to learn from shakespeare <laughs> oh my god uh he he wrote a good sonnet yeah learn how to, how to do a sonnet i don't know <laughs> learn how to do a good monologue i don't know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, soliloquy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your lives, what would it be? Man, I feel like music changes so frequently for me. And I am the type of listener that I will obsessively listen to something for like a couple weeks mm. and then like almost never listen to it again. <laughs> and so it's interesting to me when I go back and listen to that stuff, it just immediately transports me back to where I was when I listened to that, like a certain point of time in my life. So I feel like that's kind of an ever-changing answer for me where I could, you know, I can say that certain albums or certain artists even just really transport me back to a certain time in my life. You don't have a I don't know. Like uh, the last band that I like obsessively listened to was Bill Murray. And that's like that. That's if I listen to that, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying if I listen to that, I'm like, it instantly transports me back to like early pandemic. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I don't know. What about you? 
Um, well, I kind of have an easy answer because the tattoo on my leg is based off of mm. uh, Throne by Br- Bring Me the Horizon, which I think is just a song about resilience. And, you know, like you can throw me to the wolves and tomorrow I'll come back leader of the whole pack. So I, I like that a lot. I like that idea. So ah, two very good answers. I love what you said, though, about music transporting it. That's my favorite thing about music. I'm always mm. saying it, you know, a song could come on the radio. And I'll feel the feelings I was feeling yeah. when I first heard it and remember everything down to the last, you know, detail. It's yeah. uh, the power of music. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. So what do you guys like to do when you're not doing music? What's some of your favorite things besides music? Um, We're such homebodies, honestly. Yeah, like, like, we're such introverted, like hang out on the couch people <laughs> like, i'm not sure if you ever heard of magic the gathering um i ha- i've heard the name haven't looked yeah. too much into it it's like such a nerdy card game <laughs> and they have like an online like you can play online against other people and i got like an email from them today where you're like you're in the top 95 percent or like top five percent you, you of, play more than 95 percent of the people I more than 95 percent of the people on the app i'm like Oh my gosh, hey, I, need scalped. To, I need to do something else. I need to like go outside and go on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that takes up a lot of time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Excited. Uh, I, I like video games. Yeah, I like, a lot of Pokemon lately. Yeah, the new Pokemon game has been really good. I don't know if you're a fan, but it just Not in general. In a few years. I'd be yeah. more of a Red Dead Redemption or Grand Theft Auto person. Oh, okay, course. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's been where I've been. Yeah. But yeah, anytime we get to hang out with friends and play games, that's usually our happiest. So yeah, yeah I can definitely get on board with that. So uh final question. It's a new one I've been throwing out there. Is there something I should have asked you guys? Oh, that's a little little meta. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little, little <laughs> yeah. reverse right there. <laughs> huh. I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot of yeah, I feel like we covered a lot of the a lot of the bases. I mean, I I like talking about lyrics the most. So mm-hmm. if anybody ever has like a question about like a specific lyric set, I'll be like, this is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And like kind of like lay down why I wrote what I wrote but dissect her her poetry (laughs) (laughs) but that's just me though i i don't think anybody else is (laughs) that interested in that (laughs) you'd be surprised you'd be surprised yeah there's a that website like genius lyrics or something where you can like click on it and like get the explanation for like a little phrase i that's like one of my favorite things now i like i'll go down rabbit trails for hours (laughs) (laughs) mean Brilliant. Brilliant. So Tiffany Skylight is going to play us out this evening. Do you want to wrap up with any final words on it? I guess just thank you so much for having us. And thanks to everyone that's out there listening. And we appreciate all the support. And if you like the music, then we like you. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like the music, we still like you. That sounded really, (laughs) sounded bad, but we like everyone. But at the tangled web we weave We lie to ourselves, we're slaves to the upkeep Isn't this the moment we dreamed? Oh, keep us going if you keep
love music, music news, and guest interviews with artists from all around the world across many different genres? My name's Nolan, and I love music. In fact, I love music so much I created a podcast entirely dedicated to it called Every Podcast I Love is Dead. Every week is a brand new episode where I interview musicians, artists, podcasters, radio hosts, and so much more. New episodes are available every Thursday on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and you can check us out on social media and at everypodcastiloveisdead.com. Hope you can join me. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. Really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast, and be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. 
And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.